Hey, if you have your Bibles, John chapter 10. John chapter 10. We're looking at another of Jesus' I am statements. Um, This time, the statement where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. If you don't have a Bible, I want to encourage you to just grab one of the black hardback Bibles in the seat back in front of you. We're on page 896 in that, and you can see that. And once again, if you do not have a sermon handout and would like one, just raise your hand. Charles will bring it to you. Help follow along, and it also has announcements on the back that will help you stay up to date with information. John chapter 10, if you don't have it in front of you, it'll also be on the screen. If you're there with me, would you just simply say amen? John 10, beginning in verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus said again to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and he will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have a life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own to know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I might take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father." If you got a handout, the target statement, kind of the main point that I want to emphasize today is simply this. Your life needs a good shepherd, and Jesus is it. Your life needs a good shepherd, and Jesus is it. I will defend that with four ideas from the text, but I want to just kind of put this out there. And this is a bold statement, and this is a statement that our individualistic culture does not like for someone to tell you that you need something in your life one, because who do you, who are you to tell me something I need? And second, who am I to think that I need anything at all? And we struggle within the, our individualistic society, but I want to venture out here and I want to tell you and challenge us that I do believe if we understand God's word and its whole properly and we understand the problem within the, uh, the, the issue of our sin and the, what Jesus is trying to redeem and restore with his life in the gospel, we understand that our life needs a good shepherd. 
and Jesus is it. What does it mean to say our life needs a good shepherd? It means to say that we need someone to keep us from going and doing something we shouldn't do. It's simple as that. We need someone to guide us in our life that left up, up to our own selves, then we are simply like sheep who will just wander away and will end up hurt or in trouble or in some other way. I, I don't I uh, didn't find the video for this sermon for sake of illustration. I probably should have. Um, but you, hopefully, maybe you've seen it. I've seen it a lot. Maybe it's just because I follow nothing but preachers on Twitter, and they kept resharing it. But it's a video of a shepherd going and grabbing a sheep that has fallen into a crack. It's stuck and can't help itself. And the shepherd goes, and he grabs, and he saves uh, the sheep, and he puts it off to the side. And the sheep runs off happy, jumps, and jumps right back into the crack. Anybody seen that video? You should. You should check it out. It's quite hilarious. The Christian cheesy pastor memes that come out of that is fantastic. Um, but anyways, I, I think about that video, and I think about this truth. That honestly, because of our own sin, because of our lack of understanding, because of our finite abilities, all these different things that, yes, in a lot of ways, God's gifted us and given us wisdom and ability to handle issues. But when it's all said and done, when life is left up to ourselves, we tend to get ourselves in trouble and just jump right back into the crack like this sheep did in that illustration. Hence to say, our life needs a good shepherd and Jesus is it. I'm going to spend the majority of the time from the text defending that last part, and Jesus is it. Because I do think if we were to slow down enough, we could admit and to say that we do need help in our lives. Like, I, I think the part where if we really were to go, hey, your life needs a shepherd, your life needs a good shepherd, and Jesus, I, I think we get, like, hey, I, I need help in my life. I need people to help me. I need uh, counselors. I need doctors. I need friends. I need people to help me. But I want to challenge with us today is that amidst all the options of help, good options even, Jesus must be the supreme option and the good option. And even, that's, I think even as Christians, we could say amen to that. Um, but at the same time, I think we need to recognize that sometimes our life doesn't and our heart doesn't trust as much as our mouth is, is easy to say amen. So the challenge today is I hope from today's text and today's sermon, you'd be encouraged that I can trust Jesus as my good shepherd. Point number one to kind of defend why is Jesus the good shepherd is first we see his provision, the shepherd's provision. Look at verse seven. So Jesus said again to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. As is to say, there's obviously playing off this parable and this idea, we can think about, okay, what does it mean to be a thief? And who is the thief? And we understand that a little bit as the enemy who comes to still kill and destroy. But it's also this picture of asking the question, okay, if Jesus is the door, and it's this idea of entering and exiting, then it kind of implies on us at times, we are entering and exiting, and it asks the question, what is the proper way to enter and to exit? And Jesus would say, hey, if you come faithfully through the door, then you are not the thief and the robber. The thief and the robber goes around the front door, goes to the back, goes to the windows, finds the secret way. But those who come through the front door, it's friendly. The house opens up to the front door that they're welcome to be there. The person who owns the place, who's in charge, is welcoming them in. 
And Jesus is saying the welcomed way into the Father's fold is through the door. And Jesus goes, I am that door. And we recognize, this, we notice that we didn't call this, I am the good door. Jesus, the point of the parable and the point of the story is not as much that Jesus is the good door, although that is the point of this, that Jesus is the provision. But as the good shepherd, he is the one who provides and opens the door and allowing us to come in. When we think about the need, and we understand because John, a hope as we have been studying it, it's been real clear. The main point of every sermon is essentially the same, that believe in Jesus and have eternal life. There's no confusion. There's no uh, misunderstanding of what is being claimed here. And it's simply this, that through Jesus, there is salvation. But Jesus, through all these statements, is trying to relate and connect with them illustratively because they very much be in a shepherd community understands that the sheep in a pasture and in the gated area that the sheep or that the shepherd will guide them in and out properly and that it's through that provision that the shepherd provides for their needs he opens up the door and he allows them to go out he allows them to come in and at the end of the day he is the good shepherd that provides not only for eternal life but just practical in life as we think about provisions in our everyday life you know, one of the reasons, and this is so simple, I remember being a kid growing up um, for a number of reasons, asking, why are we always praying before meals? Like, is it necessary always to pray before meals? It's just, and, and my struggle was, like, I just feel like this is just tradition that we do. What does it even mean anyways? And, and I think it wasn't until, obviously, I got older and I just was more contemplative. At that time, I was probably just a kid who was hungry and was tired of my my dad praying uh, or whatever. But as I got older and I was hopefully matured a little bit in my thinking, I go, it is so simple just to pray over a meal. And I used to go, we pray for God to bless this meal, but I'm sorry, like this non-veggie isn't becoming a veggie just because I prayed for it. And I was like, we're, I'm eating pizza, I'm eating these things, but I'm praying that it nourishes my body. And I'm, I'm like, are we asking for like, I, didn't, I just didn't understand. It, it didn't make sense to me. But I think in the simple truth is as I've gotten older and I recognize even though I work and we work, and even though we can go down to the grocery store and do some of these things, we understand that at the root of it all, God is faithful in pouring out his blessings of provision in our lives. For the, point of the, for the point of the text, it's speaking to this greater eternal life, that in Jesus, he is the good shepherd, that if we trust in him, that we can have life. But it also is this picture of a good shepherd that walks with us and guides us that it's a shepherd that is there with us in every moment of every day that we can trust him. And that oh, if we can trust him for eternal life, then we can trust him for the simple things in life. And I think it's so easy at times for us as Christians to have a rich theology of God's salvation, but sometimes have the small faith to just trust God to provide in the small details and things. And I want to challenge us today as we think about God's provision. Yes, let's first point and understand that Jesus is the good shepherd who provides eternal life according to Scripture. But Jesus is also the good shepherd that we turn to today in even the smallest needs in our life. Because he is a shepherd who cares for us. We think about other parables and stories that Jesus gives about shepherds. We think of the one where Jesus says, I leave the 99 to go after the one. All, in, all throughout Scripture, as Jesus as a shepherd, it's one who cares for individuals and cares for even small needs in our lives. And so when we think about our life needs a good shepherd and Jesus is it, 
Why? Because he gives us the provision of eternal life and he gives us the provision of daily life along the way. Secondly, not only is there the shepherd's provision, but there's the shepherd's purpose. The shepherd's purpose. Look at verse 10 with me. The thief comes only to still kill and destroy, but I may come that you have life and life abundantly. I, I think the motivation matters, right? If we were to think about other examples in our life of why certain things are happening or why things do or why we do things or why things people do things to us, I think the motivation happens. I, think, I mean, I think the motivation matters. And when we think about Jesus being a good provider for us, it's not just because he can uh, take from us. It's not so that he can use us. He's not giving us something in order to ultimately take something from us. It's not this bait and switch. It's not, it's this idea. Let me be honest. We walk down, um, well, let me back up again. Let me clarify this illustration. I sometimes struggle with handing out things, even advertisement for things at the church like person to person walking down the street. Why? Because in five years in New York, if someone's trying to hand me something, it's like, what you trying to take from me? Right? I, I learned this first by, um, I think it was Times Square somewhere. Someone put something in my hand before I even realized what was happening. And now they're trying to grab my wallet. Like now you owe me 20 bucks. I was like, I didn't take this. I just turned around and reflex. It was just like in my hand. And why? Well, New York teaches us what? And maybe life teaches us that if someone's trying to give us something, like, what you, what you want in return? Like, what are you really trying to get after? And here's what I want to say is that Jesus gives us everything, and simply what he wants in return is worship. He's not coming to steal from you. He's not providing for you ultimately to take something bigger and greater away from you. But he, his motivation and his purpose is what? To actually give to you. That he is one that is generous and that he wants to give, not to steal, kill, and destroy, but he is the good shepherd and that we can trust his motivation. I want to illustrate it this way. I had a, I had a mentor and a boss that uh, was tough on me, but I loved him and I appreciated him. And we, I don't actually remember the context of the conversation. I just remember him saying this to me. He said, Jonathan, if I were to ask you to grab, I think there was a bucket nearby. And he said, if I were to ask you to grab that bucket, fill it with sand, and go stand on the street corner, would you do it? I said, absolutely. And he said, why would you do it? I said, because I, I, I just have grown to trust you. I've just grown to trust that if you ask me to do something, that there's always a good reason for it. There's a, something, and so I would do it. And it, the point behind it was, I think he was trying to illustrate, Jonathan, I think, I think now that I'm actually telling the story, I think there was, an, there was a question or something had happened, and he, he and I were probably having one of those healthy conversations you have with, supervisors every once in a while where you got to kind of clear the air on something. And he was given that illustration to kind of say to me, Jonathan, you may not understand this, but, but trust what you do understand is that I love you and I trust you and I want what's best for you and that you know because you trust that, that I will never abuse that. And the purpose behind something I'm asking of you, even if you don't fully understand it, has a good reason behind it. And I'll just be honest, that stuck with me because it's true. I would, I would do something that sounds ridiculous. Fill up a bucket, and now this was also in the middle of summer, and it's like 110 degrees outside, and I would grab a bucket, fill it with sand, and just go and stand on the street corner and just stand there. And the idea is why? Because there's that idea of trust behind purpose. And here's what I want to get, is that you can trust the purpose for what Jesus has in your life. 
you can trust that when you read scripture and you go, I don't fully understand that. And I don't understand why God would ask me to do that. But I trust that he wants what's best for me. That he is a good shepherd that's not trying to still kill and destroy from my life. But he is trying to give to my life. He is trying to enrich my life. He is trying to protect my life. He is trying to do things that are better for me. And I want us to be careful of the temptation of that Adam and Eve fell into, which was simply this, to not trust the word of God and to trust their own decision-making over God's word. What was it? God's word said this, hey, do not eat of the fruit of the tree, and if you do eat of it and disobey me, you will die. The enemy comes along and goes, hey, did God really say that? And he tempted Adam and Eve to believe that God was holding out on them. That God's purpose was not good for them, but God was actually trying to keep away from them. And so they bought into the lie that God was trying to keep away from them and that his motivation and purpose was not good and it caused them to sin. So this is foundational for us understanding that Jesus is our good shepherd, is that he provides for us and he provides for us out of a good purpose. Thirdly, not only does he provide for us, that he provides out a healthy motivation and purpose for us, but he is also our protection. Look at verse 11. Not only once he provides and brings the sheep in, look what he says. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But what does that imply about Jesus? Jesus is saying, I'm not that. I, I am the good shepherd who will provide for you, who will give you good pasture, and I do it for your benefit and for your good and what is best for you, that even I give you salvation because that's what's best for you. I give you direction and rebuke because that's what's best for you. And in all of that, I will still protect you because you are my sheep. You know, when we think about the Lord's Prayer, it ends with this calling of protection. It's calling, recognizing that we live in a world where there's spiritual battles and spiritual attacks and life is difficult and we need God's protection. We need God's protection physically. We need God's protection spiritually. We need him to be a good shepherd like David who is going to defend the sheep and fight off whatever may come that way. When the wolves come, according to this text, hey, if I, the sheep have no value to me, and their life or death makes no difference to me, then why would I risk my life? But if the sheep are of great value to me, I'm willing to lay down my life for them. And Jesus is saying that you are of such great value to me that I'm willing to lay down my life for you. When we make this statement, the target statement, your life needs a good shepherd and Jesus is it, I want you to think potentially about the other shepherds in your life. Maybe other people in your life that are important to you, that you feel like are important to you, and that vice versa. I want you to think about the other things you put your trust in. And when push comes to shove, are they willing to sacrifice all and everything that they are in order to protect you? And the model of that is what Jesus is saying is, I'm willing to do so. And I'm grateful because there are earthly examples of this. There are people who lay down their life for us every day in first responders and military and families and in friends. There are people who lay down their lives for others. So I'm not saying there's not good earthly examples. There are absolutely good earthly examples of this. And I'm so grateful that we see this love in humanity. But I am willing to admit that and even challenge 
that when I begin to think about all the things in my life that I value and I think that are important to me and bring protection to me, there's none that is protects and willing to lay down their life quite like Jesus has. That Jesus is our protection. Over my 401k or whatever it may be, I can trust in Jesus more than anything. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus is the shepherd who positions himself between us and danger. I've given this illustration before, but I was even mindful of it um, recently. I'm trying to think this week. I don't remember where we were, uh, but we were walking down the street. No, actually, it was on vacation in Lake Placid. I was with the kids, and we were walking down the street, and Sam can testify to this. There was at one point we were walking, and I turned, and I recognized, I think it was actually Sam, was standing in between me and the street. And I asked him, I said, hey, buddy, I want you to come on to this side of me just for your protection. It's just a natural instinct, but what am I doing? It's so simple, but just walking down the street in a busy street that I said, hey, I'm going to position myself because I'm your father who cares for you. I'm going to position myself to always keep what? Danger in between, or I'm going to be I'm going to be in between you and danger. My family knows that when we go into a restaurant, I'm always, my wife sits down, but she knows that I always want to sit and position myself where I can see the door. That I'm always positioning myself in order for their protection. And I just want to tell you, there's no one who does that better than Jesus. That he not only is there to protect you when you ask it, without even you recognizing it, as it is true for my kids most of the time, I'm always intentional to position myself in order to protect them and Jesus does the same for us. Therefore, your life needs a good shepherd, and Jesus is it. Fourthly, lastly, and then we'll begin to wrap up, is that we understand that he provides for us with a good purpose and to protect us, and he does that. all of that, the beautiful picture of all of that, is through the shepherd's payment. Look at verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. When it's all said and done, Jesus is willing and has made the payment for us. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. He's referring to you and I that are in the future. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the father loves me because what? I lay down my life, make a payment. I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me. He's pointing out that no one's forcing me to do this. I'm willingly do this. No one takes it from me, but I lay down my life on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. You and I have a shepherd who provides for us that his motivation for providing for us is to give to us, not to take from us, that he's there to protect us, and he does that all and proves all that simply by the fact that he laid down his life for you. That's a shepherd that I want to follow, and that's a shepherd that I want to trust. And so the takeaway of today's sermon is this. Trust the guidance of Jesus over your life. So simple. It's so simple, and sometimes the simplest truths to understand are the hardest to apply in our lives. What area of life or what area of thing in your life that you go, I just need to trust God for? I don't understand why this is. 
and I don't understand why I feel like he's asking me to do this. It doesn't make sense to me, but I just trust that he is a good shepherd, that even maybe a, a couple weeks ago when I said, hey, Sam, I want you to come on this side of me, he was like, I don't understand that. My dad's just finding a reason to get on to me, which I wouldn't get on to him, but he may have felt that way. But you may, he didn't understand, but I understood that I was doing something intentionally in that moment for his good. And so sometimes we don't understand what God's doing in our lives. We don't understand why we are where we are. We don't understand why he's making us make the decisions that we are. Sometimes we just don't understand. But here's what we can understand, is that he is a good shepherd that provides for us, that has a pure motive and purpose for providing for us and protecting us, and he laid down his life for us. And that I trust that he, if he's willing to lay down his life for me, then I can lay down my life to him. Amen. That I can trust him, that, I go, that I'm not giving my life to anything else, that, I, that is, nothing else has earned it like you have, Jesus. Nothing else has given everything, and so I trust you. And sometimes I'll just admit, it's hard to do. It's hard to do. There have been many decisions that my wife and I over the years have made going, God, I don't understand this. I don't understand why this is happening. But we trust you in this and we will walk with you. And I can tell you this, there's not been one time where I've looked back in hindsight 2020 where I've trusted the Lord and regretted it. Not one time. Why? Because he is a good shepherd. The statement, your life needs a good shepherd and Jesus is it, is a statement that requires you in humility to admit that you are not the good shepherd of your life. You're not. You're like that sheep that gets saved and jumps right back into the crack every single time. So at first it starts with an act of humility. Okay, I'm not the good shepherd. Then who is? And then we'd see from today's text that Jesus is it. So might we trust the guidance of Jesus in our lives? Let's pray. Jesus, we take a moment we just pause and we allow the truth of, this, of your word to penetrate into our hearts. That if you are the good shepherd, which we believe you are, then that means that you provide for us and we can trust your provision. We can trust that you and everything in your word is there to give us life and life abundantly, not to steal from us, but to give to us and to protect us and ultimately your life was given in order to provide and protect us. I'm so grateful for that, Jesus, because without you, I would, I would be nothing. I would have nothing. That you are everything. And so first and foremost, Jesus, I pray that everybody in this room would trust you for salvation. That we would trust you to be the good shepherd to guide our lives. That we would just surrender our lives over to you and put faith and trust in you and believe in you for eternal life. I pray that we all are there. But I pray that that truth would then penetrate into daily life. That if I can trust you with my eternity, I can trust you with my today. That in tough situations, financial situations, job situations, health situations, relationship situations, kids situations, spouse situations, cultural, political worldly, all situations, I can trust you. I can trust your word and I can trust you. So let us be a people who have our faith and trust in you. And then we trust your word and we walk with you and we just follow the guidance of the good shepherd. Because when it's all said and done, we really are 
just simple sheep who really don't know what we're doing. But praise be to God that we have a creator who is transcendent, omnipotent, all-knowing, all-powerful, who what? Is our shepherd who walks with us every single day there to be with us and to provide for us. So we trust you. Trust you. When the going gets tough, we trust you. We trust you. We trust you. So we give it all to you. We hope today's message was encouraging for you. We'd also love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. You can email us at info at newhopeny.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle for those outlets is New Hope NYC. Our website is www.newhopeny.org. If you are in the New York City area, we have 4 p.m. worship gatherings on Sundays at 164-2 Gothels Avenue in Jamaica, Queens. We're praying for you, and we hope to see you soon.